Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. How about it, Dustin? Are you ready for some Penn State football talk? I am always ready, but today I'm especially ready. I don't know if you want to fill people in on, on where we're going with it, but obviously we have some current events to catch up on, a big recruiting weekend, but I'll let you intro what we'll be doing for the rest of the show. It's a pretty fun topic, I think. It, it, it really is. We will get to those commits. In fact, we'll take care of that first, but just the rest of the show, Dustin, we're going to get a little personal today. We're going to be talking about our crushes. And now I am not talking about that, you know, sharp redhead that may have caught your eye. And by sharp redhead, trust me, I'm not talking about you, Dusty, okay? Mike trust McQuarrie? Me, not. <laughs> Matt McGloin? You're reaching for, for our redheads, <laughs> aren't you? Now, yes. I'm actually talking about something else. I'm talking about those players that over the years we've been calling our man crushes that we... We each do it. All of us do it. We have just an extra affinity for certain players. And this has been going on for years that we've been doing this show. So we thought we'd examine our man crushes and we'd talk about those. But we will get to that real soon. But first, let's talk about the new commitments. Uh, A couple of defensive linemen uh, this past week, Dusty. Let's start with Liam Andrews. Six foot five, 260 pounds. A couple of services even have him as a top 100 player. And what makes him a little bit extra interesting is he started out this whole process as an offensive line recruit. And he decided, guys, I just prefer defensive line. Yeah. And I, and I think, I mean, from my vantage point, I'm sure he was a legitimate Uh, power five prospect regardless. But from my vantage point, he looks like he can be really, really good as a defensive lineman. So he's made that clear that that's his insistence. That's the direction he wants to head uh, at the next level. And and I don't think programs that are accommodating that, which I guess all of them were going to um, are doing any favor. Like they're benefiting too. Like I I think it's going to be his better position long-term. He has a chance to be really disruptive and, he is a next level type of athlete. Like you have, obviously, if you're a division one football prospect, you are a really, really good athlete. Liam Andrews is like a play on Sunday's caliber athlete. You know, a lot has to go into it between now and then, but at 6'5", 260, you know, you could see him doing just about anything along the defensive line. Um, and, and when you look at it, like he's got long arms, big frame, you can see him being 285 and being able to play inside, outside, uh, line up over the center. Like, I think you could play any position on the line. He looked a bit, you know, like Aiden Hutchinson, like a Penn State's Aiden Hutchinson, like with that length and, and the size to be versatile. You know, I'm not saying he is that guy now, but now that he's focused on being a defensive lineman, I think he'll be evaluated more closely as a defensive lineman. And I think the recruiting services, when they narrow that scope to what he is and what he's going to be, are really going to like what they see. And uh, he's got a chance, I think, maybe to rise in those rankings. But from my from my vantage point, I feel like it's hard to think about 
uh, many other better interior defensive line prospects of the James Franklin era than Liam Andrews. Like I'm a big fan of what he does. Like not only is, is he really, really athletic, he's got a great motor when he plays, he's got long arms and he's got violent intentions with his hands. And I think that combination for a versatile inside outside defensive lineman is a really good combination. And uh, he's got a chance to be a great player, I think. And I think he's got a chance to be really good, really early in his career as well, especially if he gets up into that like 275 range by this time next year. And to get a high end guy, as you said, very athletic, probably capable to be power five major school on either side of the line. And I do believe, Dusty, in fact, we had a question last week. I think it, I'm not sure if it was, I believe it was with Ask T. Frank. The question was, if we're struggling to get those big time over 300 pound defensive tackles, but we get these huge offensive linemen, what's to keep them from going the other way? Now, maybe once we've seen that before in the Joe Paterno era and the Bill O'Brien era a little bit, guys would swap. But that might be a little late once they already hit college, technically just finished their junior year in high school. And there's a very good chance they're playing both sides of the ball in high school. So if if a guy is like this, big, strong, athletic, able to use his hands well, good width to him, well, guess what? You're describing a good offensive lineman or a good defensive lineman, aren't you? Yeah, but I, I, I do think um, just because you're a power five prospect as an offensive tackle doesn't mean you're a power five prospect as a defensive tackle necessarily. I think Liam Andrews is more rare than anything in that he's got the versatile frame. He's got uh, the athleticism. He's got the skill set. He's got the inclination, you know, the instincts, I think, maybe to play both positions. So I, I, I definitely see the point, but I don't know that. I just don't think all offensive linemen are necessarily that good on the defensive side, or at least that projectable on the defensive side. Like, I think the requirement is, you know, you can be an offensive tackle and have great length, great feet. Uh, You're able to mirror opposing pass rushes. You're very good in run blocking, but you have to be, there's a a higher level of like suddenness and twitch and, and things like that that you need to be just as good as a defensive lineman. And I think Liam, Liam Andrews is pretty rare in that he has both of those things. I don't think, you know, I don't know if an offensive lineman gets to campus, let's say gets to a college campus. And then you decide that the best thing for him, because he's, he's so skilled in that area is for him to play defensive line or vice versa. I think that's most often done in a position of need. Like you look back when CJ Thorpe, change sides of the ball. Penn State had run its course at defensive tackle. They needed a big body and he was the best candidate for the job from that side. And then same thing like when um, when Bill O'Brien came aboard and there weren't enough awesome offensive linemen, you switch guys from defense, not because you think they're going to be better offensive linemen necessarily, but because you just need bodies. But um, but yeah, I think you know the, the, the rare few who are legitimate prospects on both sides um, you know, I don't think there's many of them. And I think Liam Andrews is very, very high at the top of that list. But you have to be a really good athlete to have the skill sets of both. And it sounds like Liam Andrews is that kind of kid. The other commitment, uh, which came over the weekend, someone even bigger by the name of T.A. Cunningham, 6'6", 275 uh, is what he's listed at. 
He's from Georgia. He's from California. He's from Miami. I mean, he went to four high schools in four years, but he's another addition to the defensive line, Dusty. And then, you you know, suddenly this group of defensive linemen, when you get somebody who's 6'5", 260, you get somebody who's 6'6", 275, there's not really a question that they can both play in the interior. Um, I don't know if Andrews is going to be pigeonholed in that area necessarily, which is a good thing. But T.A. Cunningham is just it's just hard to find athletes like him. It's hard to find a true blue defensive tackle who's six foot six, who's already 275 pounds. Like that is just a big, big body. And I think there are things that uh, Penn State will want to polish up about his game. Um, I don't know that he plays as big as his frame is right now, but you know, talking about projectability, like that frame is very projectable. And I think, you you know, you think about, um, uh, Oregon had two guys like that on the same team, DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, who are both really good pros now. You know, it's just hard to find that player who's who's a legitimate weight for a defensive tackle, uh, legitimate weight distribution in their body, uh, adequate strength, but also stands at six foot six. And there's just a lot of mismatches that can happen whenever you have that. Uh, I think Liam Andrews is a better athlete. I think Liam Andrews is, is further along in the development curve uh, than T.A. Cunningham. But, you know, you just, athletes like him just don't grow on trees. That's why four high schools wanted him. And I hope, you know, you you, you would hope that that doesn't uh, forecast the future for him where there's four colleges in, in his future. But uh, they got a really good blank canvas, I would say, for Deion Barnes. I think, you know, there there's a lot of technique that he can shore up on just like with most defensive linemen coming out of, of high school. Uh, but with those arms, uh, if he can use his hands better, if he can use that length better, uh, he's got, a, he's got a lot of potential to be a mismatch down the road. And it changes the whole complexion of the future of the defensive line. When you get both of these guys in tandem like this. And dusty, this was also, is this a case where Dion Barnes has passed his first test as the new defensive line coach, which that first test is recruiting a month ago, we were talking about the rush of wide receivers that came in. We got, had three of them in the span of, you know, a week or so now, uh, since June 30th in less than a month, we got four defensive linemen coming in pretty good haul for Dion Barnes. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like when a head coach takes over, it's like, what comes first, getting the results or selling the vision. And I think Dion Barnes is still at a place where he's sort of selling the vision for what his position rooms are going to feel like, uh, what it's going to be like um, to develop under and what his coaching style is like. So to be able to get the prospects now is a really good sign for him. And I think he's going to be a player that a lot of kids want to play for. And I think that's been proven. But this is this is really – I was a little lukewarm on, on the group before this. You know, I think there, there are some good prospects, but I think uh, especially the, Liam Andrews, a great prospect here – um, with, with him. And I think T.A. Cunningham is, is a high upside prospect too. Like this is, this is, I think the, the first test for him, you know, he's got to be able to stock this position, especially defensive tackle stock it better than it was before. And, you know, it's a lot easier to be a great position coach when you have great players to coach, right? It sure is. And I think Dustin, what's coming to fruition is young guy, Penn Stater, has played the position, 
young enough to still relate to these players, but having that experience, having been part of the Penn State family, not just as a player, but also as a grad assistant, he's set up to succeed. He is. And and I think clearly like the fact that he got this promotion means that he can teach it and he can coach it. Clearly he can connect with, with 17 and 18 year olds. Not every coach can say the same thing. And when you have both of those qualities, then you have a lot of potential as a coach. And I still think Deion Barnes high upside coach, you know, speaking of, of prospects, you know, and I think James Franklin sees it now. And I think it's starting to sort of play out that he can be a really, really good defensive line coach right away. And it it's, serves that time as a grad assistant. It allows James Franklin to see what he's all about. He's been on a couple-year job interview, in essence, for this job. And now the opportunity's there. I'm glad he got the job. Looks like, at least so far with recruiting, it's working out well. Dustin, that's it for quarter number one. Quarter two, we're going to start with our man crushes. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub Set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He's Dusty. I am Jim. And Dusty, it's time to talk about our man crushes. We teased this in quarter number one. Now it's time to get to it. But before we start naming names, let's do this, Dusty. Let's define the man crush and how they're created. For you, what is it about a player that you develop a crush on him? Well, I think, and and this is one of the great things about doing this show for as long as we've done it, is that we have watched 
and invested in ourselves in the development of just about everybody who has come through Penn State's program since like 2014, 2015. So getting a chance to watch them and develop hunches and 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 feel like you have an idea of what they're going to become and 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 things like that. That's how I kind of viewed it is more thinking about it in those terms. And sometimes you have a rational belief in what a player is going to become. Sometimes you don't have a rational belief. And then the other part of it, especially when we go back to, you know, we had a stretch in like 2016, 2017, 2018, where um, we talked to a lot of these players um, and, and we got a chance to get to know a lot of these players and, you know, players who came on this program multiple times and, and quarterbacks who came on and were so smart and presented themselves so well seem to score a few extra bonus points um, with both of us in an exercise like this one, because we had such, um, you know, we had such fond memories of, of actually getting to know them. And I hope that people who have followed along with this show kind of feel the same way, you know, feel just as invested in the players that we got invested in. But that's a big part of it. I think is both of those things, just looking back at evaluations and thinking about, you know, what, what they do well and and how it projects at the next level. And then our personal biases checking in there. And really, I think for both of us, just embracing the personal bias that we have for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, having a man crush on a guy doesn't mean he's going to be a superstar. It just means there's a certain reason that we feel connected to that player and in this exercise, I, I went through the last several years, you know, since we've been doing this show and picking out names. And I wanted to try to figure out why I feel that way towards players. And you hit on one item that is, the players that we've had on the show, you get a personal connection to them. That means something. I think it's that same feeling some fans get who are Penn State fans and a kid from their hometown, and maybe they even know them personally, makes it to the Penn State football team. You feel that extra connection, and when we've had them on the show, we've met them, they've impressed us personally. That's part of it. I also found, for me, with watching these players, either their high school tape or getting the opportunity to see a high school game, either you know live or on TV, and you see a unique or special play that they make. And it's that old small sample size thing. I see this wonderful catch that they make, and I'm like, oh my goodness, there they are. You know, that's the guy. I saw something special. And the one I think the one other category, Dusty, in my list are the players that may be a little unique physically or have a unique physical skill i'm not a big guy so when you get these smaller players come in kind of that underdog thing i know i root for them so those are the things in studying my names and my examples that we're going to talk about that's part of it so let's let's start with those guys that we've had on the show and that we've liked and let's start with a guy who I know was a personal favorite of both of ours because he came on the show several times, and that was Sean Clifford. Yeah. And if you heard those interviews, you couldn't help but like this kid. I, I completely agree, you know, and I, I think at some point 
Um, I called him the John Goodman of, of KSN, like John Goodman hosting Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live more than anybody. Like Sean Clipper was on this show more, more than anybody at the time. And uh, I think just what he had to say, I think that the character that he had and the leadership that he had, like I think those things came through in the way that he talked about football, talked about himself, didn't take himself all that seriously, but took the game seriously. Uh, and I, I don't think any of that was disputed at any point in his Penn State career. You know, those are the things that the whole way through um, the coaching staff loved about him the most. It was just the other things. It was a harder pro- to project things that, you know, that he had to work through as a quarterback. But on a personal level, leadership level, communication level, Sean Clifford, I think, was elite from the jump. And that never changed. And. I'm going to share two stories about him, uh, Sean Clifford, and him appearing on our show. And I don't know if one of them I've ever shared before, but the one that people who've listened to it may have heard it. I'm not sure you remember it. One of the questions, and I think you were the one who interviewed him, you asked him about as a quarterback recruit, do he feel extra responsibility to help recruit the other players and so on. And at the time, I remember thinking he was only a junior in high school at the time. And his answer, he could have been like a seven-year NFL veteran in answering the question. He talked in terms of, I'm the quarterback. It's a special position. You are expected to be a leader, and that's what I'm going to be. So, yes, I'm out there actively recruiting. I feel it's my responsibility to be a leader. And I'm thinking, this kid is 16, 17 years old, and he's already talking that way. Impressed the hell out of me, Dusty. And the one other thing is when we've had players on, I will often reach out to them afterwards and extend a thank you for for being on the show. Before I could even do that, he sent me a thank you. Yeah, He reached out to me. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, you know, it just told me the quality of kid he was. So I thought that was very special. And it tells you a lot about the character of the kid. And you know what? Like, this is like sort of a personal bias thing. I think, you know, our our direct experience with him, because it was the same for me. Uh, but also, especially when you're talking about quarterbacks, it's not like this stuff doesn't matter. You know, it's not like being able to communicate doesn't matter or being, you know, embracing, you know, the leadership of the position doesn't matter. Like these are things that that are all factors. And I think Sean Clifford's been strong in those areas. And, and by the way, like I think even independent of, you know, developing a, a you know, a, a professional relationship with, with Sean at an early age. Um, in addition to that, I really felt like his skill set was great. You know, I, I, I separating the the personal part of it with the, with just the nuts and bolts of it. You know, I I felt like, and I think I even wrote this or said this at some point in time. I thought he was bigger than Trace McSorley, quicker than Trace McSorley, and had more arm talent than Trace McSorley did. And I thought that that was a formula in addition to all this that made him just a slam dunk to be really really good. I think you know, in the end, I think he had a good career. Uh, I, 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 if I were to transport myself back to 2017 and, and if you would have told me he would have been a four year starter, I would have thought I would have expected a little bit more, I suppose. But, uh, I don't think people can ar- really argue with what he brought, um, how he represented the program 
how he was a teammate to everybody and, and how hard he worked and how much he put into it. I hope at least people appreciate that. And I, you know, looking back, it doesn't surprise me one bit that he did. It's a little bit of mixed emotion for the Penn State fan base with Sean Clifford, but as a person, as a character kid, I don't think uh, you could be critical of him at all. And I know we spent a lot of time already on Sean Clifford, so maybe we should hit these a little bit faster. I'll do a real quick one here. I'm not sure if this qualifies as man crush, but just say, telling you how things work out differently. If you recall, we also had Justin Fields on with us. I believe you asked him about his commitment level, and he was 100% committed to Penn State, Dusty. Yeah, there, there's no gray area between 100% and 0% in, in, in recruiting. <laughs> and we had him on right around the time there were some grumblings ab- about uh, maybe coming off that commitment a little bit. His recruitment had picked up. Uh, there were grumblings about Joe Moorhead leaving uh, at, at that point. And so we talked to him about those rumors and his commitment level then. Uh, and he assured us, you know, that, that he was 100% committed. And this was just another, uh, I think it reinforces that you believe what a kid does more so than what a kid says in recruiting. What he does tends to be the direction that they go. And Justin Fields did not maintain that commitment. Okay, very, very much so. All right, I'm going to go now. I'm going to go way back. I'm going to put out a probably a couple of my misses, but they're one of the things that maybe where we developed this term man crush for the players. If you recall very early on, because he was here, I think before James Franklin got here, there was a tight end named Kyle Carter. And he made a play or two that was just really special, very, very athletic that made me say, Oh my goodness. And he did this, I believe, as a redshirt freshman. And recalling the name made me go look up his statistics. He had 36 catches as a as a redshirt freshman, and no other year did he have more than 18. So yeah. I, that's my guy doing a single special play or two. And I just said, oh, boy, if he's doing this as a freshman, what's he going to be like in a couple years, Dusty? Yeah. And I think that's, it's easy to assume that this is like, it's only up from here. And sometimes it's just not that way. Sometimes he, he, you know, whether he made 36 catches because nobody else was really in the neighborhood of being able to catch those passes, but you know, he also, he also spent a few years in the NFL. So it's like, yeah, you expected his role to grow and for him to be a, a star or whatever, but it's not like you whiffed that badly on him. And I, I saw the same things that you did, like statistically that. And then also like, I love like body control and catching with his hands. You know, he did those things. I just think that, you know, development isn't automatic, you know? And I think, I think sometimes players can, can put up production that isn't representative of their talent level in both directions. And I think Kyle Carter put up numbers that weren't really indicative of how good he was going to be down the road. But uh, he was one of your more, infamous man crush i can i can think of one more infamous man crush than kyle carter and that's saeed blacknall which he didn't make my list of all-time man crushes but it was hard not to have a man crush on him because he was a freak coming out of high school he really was dusty and i've not had my full say on saeed blacknall but if go back Watch the Big Ten Championship game against Wisconsin. All I'm going to say is six catches, 
155 yards. And if anyone's ever going to be critical for my man crush on Saeed Blacknall, go watch the Big Ten championship game. That's my response to it, Dusty, because it's all I got. All right, that's it. We But we've got plenty more man crushes. Uh, we're going to have uh, Dustin give us a couple of his misses also. Stay tuned for that. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. I'm Jim Galante. We're going through our history of band crushes, and we just got done with a couple of gyms. We had Kyle Carter... I fell in love with him as a redshirt freshman. Didn't pan out the rest of his career. Another famous gym man crush, though, was Saeed Blacknall. And my only defense is watch the Big Ten championship game, Dusty. And I think it, it raises an interesting point. I see this often um, when it relates to baseball. So, like, a player signs a 10-year, $200 million deal in free agency, and they have you know, two good World Series games and help your team win a world title. And it's like, I don't care what else he does. He earned that contract, right? So when you're talking about Saeed Blacknell in the Big Ten Championship game, maybe they don't win that game without him. And my question is, is that enough for you to be like, that scholarship was well worth it. That one performance, even if it's just that one performance, it's, it's hard to call Saeed Blacknall a disappointment because he did what he did uh, at an important time. In my mind, yes. And not only that, Dusty, but I don't think I missed on Saeed Blacknall. I just don't think they went to him enough. If they had used him properly, Dusty, we would be talking about him, would be putting his jersey up in the rafters, okay? That's the way I felt about Saeed Blacknall then. It's how I feel about it now. So let's move on. Let's get some of yours. So in terms of misses, and probably a lot of people would have this one on the list, but 
Justin Shorter, I thought there was absolutely no way that this kid could even remotely come close to failing. When you're that big and that fast, and I loved the fact that he uh, got open down the field. You know, like the, I think that particular skill, in addition to that size speed combination, like he was a five star. And I think depending on where you looked, he might have been the number one wide receiver in America. So he was maybe one of Penn State's, at least in terms of the production that Penn State got, one of their all time biggest busts under James Franklin. Uh, was was uh, was Justin Shorter, but I really felt like there's just no way that this kid, like, how can you fail? But I think what what you ended up kind of hearing was that, um, you know, the com- the competitive nature, like he just he he maybe shied away a little bit early in his career and didn't see his role grow. wasn't healthy all the way in year one. Uh, the fact that he didn't really um, explode onto the scene like a lot of people thought, kind of factored in. If you listen to Julian Fleming and why he picked Ohio State, he directly talked about Justin Shorter and the inability to develop a five-star wide receiver factored in there. So Justin Shorter, um, you know, he ended up going to Florida. I don't know if he was drafted or just left for the NFL, but – um, boy, it's just hard to have that physical combination and not make, I think, more of it than he did, especially at Penn State. You know, what's interesting, you bring up Fleming and his uh, pointing out how a five-star talent went to Penn State and never really developed. Huh. That's kind of a fascinating story for uh, Julian Fleming, a five-star talent who went to Ohio <laughs> State. And, well, anyway... Let's <laughs> let's move on. What what I find fascinating, and let's do a little segue here to uh, two players that came in at the same time at the same position, and we had little different opposing points of view from different guys on our staff. And I'm talking about Saquon uh, Barkley and Andre Robinson, who both came into Penn State at the same time. And this is not to, you know, pat me on the back for my ability to scout, but one of Saquon, I guess it was a playoff game that he was in that I was, it was televised and I got to see it and I went, oh my goodness, (laughs) this kid is special. And at the same time, other folks on the staff, well, they kind of knew Andre, Andre Robinson, didn't they? Yeah, you know, I think so. Andrew Pichet and I, um, in the early going in 2015, and this might have been the first ever segment that we did called Agree to Disagree. And, uh, and one of us took Saquon Barkley, one of us took Andre Robinson. And just the, you know, to give you the inside baseball of it, sometimes you have to pick up a, a side that maybe you're not as enthusiastic about. So let's just say that maybe Andy did some of that. Uh, but I, I picked, I went with Saquon. He went with Andre Robinson. Not that either one of them was a bad, bad prospect necessarily. Um, Saquon, uh, even to this day, you know, you look at some of the players that they've signed since Nick Singleton, Ricky Slade was a five star in 2018. They've signed some, uh, Devin Four was a high four star uh, in 2019. They've signed some really good running back prospects since. I haven't seen a running back before him or after him who had a more dazzling high school film 
than, than Saquon did. And you're never sure. Like, it's not a guarantee for anything. It's like, okay, can he do the open field spin on an elite athlete? Can he do, can he make a, a, uh, former five-star recruit linebacker miss so badly in the open field? Well, the answer to all of those things was yes, a uh, hundred times over. And then, um, Andre Robinson, it just, just didn't amount to much. I don't, I don't think, um, instinctively, like he, he progressed at the next level as much as, um, you would have hoped. Uh, he did, he wasn't really a standout physically. And then what happened with Saquon is, and it helps is that he developed tree trunk legs during his time at Penn state, which made a lot of this stuff all the more easy to, to do. So, I think a lot of people would look back and say they knew Saquon was going to be exactly what it was, but nobody really saw exactly what he's become uh, back then. But his his high school film, and I, I'll bet you it's still out there on, on Huddle, is more prolific than any other running back prospect since. I just didn't, I didn't take it as a guarantee, but I loved watching it. I would say that. And in Andrew P. Shea's defense, he attends a lot of high school football games. Andre Robinson was in his area, was a player uh, that he saw quite a bit. And again, I'll defend Andrew P. a little bit more. He's also a guy who mentioned this kid when he was probably just a freshman or sophomore. Went by the name of, what was it? Oh, yeah, Micah Parsons. And he said he was going to be good. I think he was right. Yeah, you, 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 you can't. You can't only uh, relish in making fun of the bad things with having the in, in, inside scoop. Uh, but, my, you know, my, Micah was a central dolphin at the time, and his numbers as a freshman defensive end were video game numbers then. Um, the, the, the issue with Micah was always, okay, wh- is he going to tighten it up and he's going to be focused at the next level? And he definitely was. And I'll just you, – you made mention of one other guy, Ricky Slade. And he qualified under two of my categories. He was the little guy who I think Penn State it just felt like they were emphasizing larger running backs, you know, 220, 230, be, running between the tackles. And I thought, oh, here's a guy who will give them that outside the tackle box threat. And I saw him, and I think it was even at a camp where they weren't tackling people. They were just you know, it was the touching them and they're down and they couldn't even touch him. He was so elusive. So that goes as another one of my misses, but I'm going to bring up, I want to bring up a pair of players here, Dusty. I'm going to start with a current guy, Tony Rojas, who I think so many of us fell in love with. We saw his high school tape, fell in love with that, said, my goodness, maybe, you know, a year or so in the uh, strength and conditioning because he was what around 200 pounds and allegedly yeah. going to play linebacker. And within a couple months, kid puts on almost 30 pounds, apparently lost no athletic ability. And the coaches were talking about him the way we were, but, and I don't know if this is a word of warning or what it is, but in going back and looking, there was a guy by the name of Lance Dixon coming out of high school that we kind of talked about the same way. 6'2", 200 pounds. We questioned whether he was going to be big enough to play linebacker, but he was so special. He was going to be be a difference maker on the defense, uh, Dusty. So I just thought it was uh, fair to make that comparison. And, and I think, you know, you can weave all these different stories together 
uh, with some common threads. One is so like, look at Ricky Slade, for example. Um, I, th- I just don't think the instincts, the patience, the feel for the, the position really ever grew to match the physical ability. And I would d- compare him directly with Nick Singleton as another five-star running back. You look at what Nick Singleton kind of struggled with early in his freshman season and how he overcame those and adjusted, adapted, changed his style, made better reads like he took to the coaching. I don't think that ever really happened with Ricky Slade. And I think you can also kind of look at, in some of these cases, the depth of their desire. And I think for Tony Rojas to make such physical transformation so early in his career, I think is a testament to the depth of his desire to play and to play at a high level that maybe, and I don't know Lance Dixon personally, maybe he couldn't match that. And maybe Lance Dixon, you know, didn't really uh, progress or take to the coaching uh, all that quickly. And by the time, you know, maybe if he would have stayed patient and hung in there, he would have seen a role open up at some point, but it's just one of those impediments is just, okay. Physical ability can take you a long, long way, but if you don't see the game well enough or learn the game enough or, or, uh, take to the coaching, uh, fast enough, uh, it doesn't matter how much physical ability you have at a certain point. If you don't play to that physical ability or play fast, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter that much. So uh, I think Tony Rojas immediately right off the bat kind of shows a difference maybe between him and Lance Dixon. Like he transformed himself right away. He worked. He got the coaching staff's attention, not just because of his physical ability, but by the way that he went about his business. And I don't think any quotes were ever given along those lines about Lance Dixon, just to compare and contrast those two. And Dusty, I think that's part of all this. We might, we are ob- obviously perfect in our scouting of these players. Never okay? wrong. We Never don't wrong. make sure. mistakes. If those players that we think are going to be stars aren't, it must be on them. It can't be that we didn't scout correctly. And, I, you know, that's a bit facetious, but I, there is something to that. We can't see how much those players want it. And we saw we're getting more and more glimpses into the strength and conditioning. And a lot of times I think that's a pretty good indicator of what these players are like. Saquon Barkley was a legend in the uh, strength and conditioning. Nick Singleton has that kind of reputation now. You see, and again, you, you make a good point about Tony Rojas the fact that he was able to put on that kind of weight, which was necessary in just these first couple months on campus, I think speaks to his desire. I'm not going to miss on him. That's it for <laughs> quarter number three. Quarter four, I promise we're going to start with Dusty's Man Crushes. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. 
You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is our fourth quarter. I'm Jim. He's Dusty. We are talking about our man crushes and Dusty. Until now, I've been kind of leading the way, throwing out names. It's your turn. Where do you want to go with your man crushes? So there was there was one more player in that realm of um, players we talked to on, on the Keystone Kickoff Show. And I'll actually mention two names real quick. One um, was Caden Wallace and Caden Wallace's dad. Hard not to like that family, right? And so, you know, on a personal level, you're just rooting for just life success for all of them. And Caden Wallace is such a good kid. And, and uh, Mr. Wallace is a, a pastor, I believe like they, there's just a lot of character I felt like in that family. So I want the best for Caden Wallace. It's hard to, you know, sometimes it's hard to see a player struggle when you know that when you can't, when you th- at least think, you know what their intentions are. And then another player that, that land, and I actually have a top 10 man crushes that, and, and, and I'll, I'll share. So I'll, I'll start, um, uh, number 10, Caden Saunders. Uh, and his, his, his story very much is still needs to be written. I'm still a believer in him. I love the quickness. I, I saw KJ Hamler immediately when I, when I watched him, I talked to him uh, about that. And the Penn state coaches told him they saw KJ Hamler immediately. You know, now he's got to make that, make sure that that speed and quickness translates by playing the, the game at an instinctive level. Uh, number nine, and this is the one I was talking about with the with the interviews, was um, Jawan Johnson. Uh, and I think, you know, in a Kyle Carter kind of way, he was a bit of a miss. But I love this, the, the sheer size of this human being. Uh, he looked like an NFL player in high school. They called him uh, Megatron Jr. or something like that. Uh, he was a freak. Uh, back then, I just don't think he really saw his role. And I think he was always kind of in between being a wide receiver and a tight end. And now you look at what he's doing at the NFL level and he's a tight end there for the, for the saints. Uh, Sean Clifford was number eight on my list for reasons that we are already laid out. Uh, Brandon Smith, uh, linebacker from Virginia. I mean, how do you not love everything? Like he looked like he was made in a lab and I think, you know, he had a good career. Uh, again, I would say probably didn't have a great career, probably didn't have a career that was worthy of uh, physically what he looked like at the time. And I think maybe he could, he, he should and could stick around at the NFL level for a decade if, if he wants to and he stays healthy. Uh, number six on my list is Drew Aller, whose his story still needs to be written. The thing that I really loved about him was just the off-platform stuff. And I know that that's kind of like, 
it's the topic du jour uh, among quarterbacks. And what does that mean? What doesn't that mean? Zach Wilson was drafted number two overall in the draft. A lot of in a lot of situations because of what he could do uh, off platform. It's not everything, but when you combine that with a huge arm, huge frame, uh, I think we've only seen his intangibles. Uh, they become more impressive over time. So you add all that stuff up, and I, I think I had a, a really favorable opinion of what Drew could be. And I don't know if you wanted to interject there, but I've st- I've got five more names as well. Okay, well, real quick, I'll hit on a couple of them. This with the family and meeting them. Yes, we had Charles Wallace on, Caden's uh, dad, wonderful on the air. I got to do some things with them this spring. I love Charles Wallace. Okay, I do. Tremendous man. And the apple appears to have not fallen far from the tree with his son, Caden. Um, I also met Drew Aller's dad this spring. At the spring game, they brought the entire family. I think they had 13 family members there. I got a chance to chat with his dad quite a bit. I think the grandfather was there. Mom was there. The dad, I liked him a lot. He told me some stories off the record about Drew. Makes me root for him more. Um I'll give you one more that I met in the spring, Dom DeLuca. The fact that he's an Italian kid from Northeast Pennsylvania, for some reason, Dusty, I connect with that. Met his parents. They were both wonderful. I could relate to them very well. Mr. DeLuca and I talked about various pizza shops up in the area, and I got a chance to talk to Dom a little bit. I liked him. I liked him a lot. I am going to be rooting for him especially hard. So those are that's my input on the family connection, Dusty. All roads lead back to pizza, don't they? It all <laughs> comes back to pizza. And, and, and honestly, if I'm trying to get a, a read on where the good pizza is, I'm asking a Galante and I'm asking a DeLuca, 100%. I'm not asking a... a uh, McGuffey or any, anything like that. Anything that sounds Irish. I'm not asking them. I'm asking you guys. So yeah, I, I would have liked to have been part of that conversation to be honest. Um, well, you, you've also got a top five left though, Dusty. And I want to make sure we get to all of them. Oh yeah. So, uh, number five on my list, Miles Sanders. And obviously he was a five-star, uh, from Pittsburgh, uh, loved the game film, whatever. Uh, I was out at, um, a practice for the big 33 game, which at the time was, I think when he played, it was a, it was a Pennsylvania versus Maryland. Uh, Cam Brown was on, was on the Maryland team. Dalen Darian was on the Maryland team. Uh, Miles Sanders, he made uh, plays in that practice. uh, And he made plays in that game uh, from a receiving standpoint, where it's like body control that you can't teach. You know, the way that he made the catch look like a wide receiver, like that really jumped out to me. And honestly, that's, I don't think he saw it all that much during his Penn State career, but you've seen it now, you know, as a Philadelphia Eagle and now as a Carolina Panther as an NFL player. He's had a really good pro career. Uh, Saquon's number four. How about this for a name for you at number three? Nana Asidu, the, the offensive tackle from Virginia. Uh, had to retire because of a heart condition before he ever got a chance to play, was part of a bookend combination in the 2018 class with Rasheed Walker that I was really impressed and really convinced that they had the future of their offensive line, that Walker was a better player now, but Asidu was so athletic and had so much talent and ceiling left uh, it really sucks, you know, that that he never got a chance to pursue that because I thought there was a chance uh, for some really big things for him because he could do things that you can't teach. 
Uh, number two on my list, King Mac. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe the name factors in. He he's one of your little guys, Jim. Maybe he's on your list too. I love the speed. I love the swagger. I I, I love everything about this kid. And I, I just feel like he's destined for some greatness. He's not surrounded by the best, most successful stories. Not in a seat at three, Justin Shorter at number one. But I do love me some King Mac. Uh, I think I have a bigger crush on him than I do Tony Rojas at this point. There are some other guys in this 23 class I really, really love too. Uh, Andrew Rappelier, the tight end. Jameel Lyons, the defensive end, are, are two that jump out. But I, I have a high, high opinion of King Mac, possibly unreasonably high opinion of King Mac. Here's uh, my note on King Mac, okay, is I'm not very good at putting the notes up in front of the camera for you, Dusty, but it says smaller guy who plays big, great name, okay? I love me some King Mac. And if we're going to go, and the names you put out there, some very good ones. By the way, Miles Sanders, I think it was that big 33 game. I saw him make a catch in the corner of the end zone. Yes. And I was like, oh, my goodness. That made me a Miles Sanders guy. That's my small sample size, how I become a fan. I'll give you a couple of other names, more current players. Um, Bo Prabula. I know he's second to Drew Aller. Not official yet, but we know where that's headed. What I saw him do in high school, he took a school – that's not one of the superpowers. And he took them to the state championship game where he essentially played an all-star team. I think it was St. Joe's and he carried them there. I think, and I described it. I believe he has the it factor like Trace McSorley does. So, and we hit Tony Rojas. Let me give you two more names of the current class. Tamir Robinson, that coming off an injury playing already in the blue white game Already we saw Manny Diaz talking about him. Keep an eye on Tamir Robinson. And because we, you know, I'm going to admit it, I'm going to put my misses out there too, Dusty, not just my hits. I love me some Mega Barnwell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I wanted him at tight end. I thought, oh my goodness, they could line him up, you know, in, in those three tight end formations at the end of the line. I wanted to see him catch a pass. Obviously, I'm I'm not going to see that, and I'm going to also throw you out there a KJ Winston. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a big I'm a big KJ Winston believer um, as well. Um, I wanted to cut, throw a couple extra names out there. Sure. Um, two in the miss category. I, I don't think I've taken I don't think I've taken my medicine enough for for some of the misses. One, uh, John Dunmore, uh, and. Obviously, he's still kind of authoring his story, too. But the fact that I think he's moving on to his third school uh, doesn't bode all that well. I saw DeAndre Hopkins in his game, you know, a a skinny like hands catch. Like I really liked what I saw um, back then. Um, Another miss. And this was this was me falling victim. I think to James Franklin, his his salesmanship. Uh, was Noah Bay in the 2014 class. James Franklin ranted and raved about his features, his head and his hands. And I was like, well, <laughs> he's got a big head and big hands. How can we go wrong here, James? So I <laughs> I, I drank the Kool-Aid on, on him a bit too. And that, that didn't amount to a whole lot. Uh, one other guy in the interview category I wanted to mention too was Landon Tangwall. Um, I talked to him pretty le- for about a 30-minute discussion uh, on Penn Live. Uh, back in the day, that was the the COVID summer. I don't think 
I've talked to anybody who has a better personality than, than Tengwall did. And you don't expect that from offensive linemen. And I also came away thinking, um, you know, he was so advanced in the way that he viewed technique and strength training. I'm like, man, if this is a top like 60 or 70 player who's got that attitude and that like lightheartedness who loves the technique of the, of the position and who already um, strength trains at a really advanced level. Like how can you go wrong there? And then this is one I, I mentioned, I think this is before we started talking on air, but uh, revisionist history. I don't think it's revisionist history to look back and say, I was really impressed by Abdul Carter too. Mainly because the, the thing that really jumped out is that, okay, you see a guy who's six four two thirty five. And it's like, okay, is he an athlete, a big athlete, or is he a linebacker? The thing that really jumped out at that size is like, oh, okay, this is a linebacker. This isn't a big dude trying to play linebacker. This is a guy who really plays the position. And I think, you know, obviously he's done that at a much higher level than I could have ever dreamed of. But I liked Abdul Carter, his, his game film as well. That one, that's a great call, and you did talk about him early, Dusty, I think when he committed or when we talked about the true freshman. I'm giving you full credit for Abdul yes. Carter. me too, Jim. <laughs> and I'll give you, because this isn't always just about thinking these guys are going to be superstars, but partially rooting for these guys. I mentioned Tamir Robinson coming off an injury. I'm going to mention London Montgomery also. Yeah. Another kid coming off an injury. For running back especially, that's rough. He lost his senior season. I'm rooting for, for him. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.